Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues or on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give to us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive the sins of others, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. We talked on the bigger picture this last Sunday about the idea of uh, Jesus gave three examples, giving and prayer and fasting about living out our righteousness without living in hypocrisy. But the Lord's Prayer is worth its own mention. So we're doing a short study today uh, on the Lord's Prayer specifically because we didn't want to get lost in the weeds. We wanted to focus on the bigger picture thing Jesus was teaching. But this morning, or today, we want to give kind of a, a, a thought about this here. Jesus assumes that we're going to pray. That's the first thing. He says, when you pray, he assumes that we are going to pray. He assumes that we are going to talk to God. We're going to talk to him. But he says, don't be like the hypocrites who go into the synagogues or on the street corner and, and make a big show of their prayer. Don't be like the pagans who just pray endlessly and endlessly, and they think the more that they pray, the more words they use, that that will get them hurt. Now, he gives us this form and structure for our prayers. And there's been a question over the years. Uh, should I just pray this prayer verbatim, or should it just kind of be like a guideline? I think the answer is both, and there's a place for both. There are times where I don't have the words, where I have sat or stood to pray and just thought, Lord, I don't know what to say about anything going on. And so I have just prayed this prayer because I believe it and it's true. And I've just said, Lord, I don't know what else to pray, so I pray this. And I think that's valid. There are other times where I haven't necessarily known what to pray, but I have found that the Lord's Prayer is a framework. So I've started off by praying, I, I, I might recite, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And then I'll pause and I'll just say, yes, Lord, you are holy. I acknowledge you as God. I acknowledge you as my Father. This is just really practical praying. I take a verse of the Bible and I agree with it and then I use it as a launching point. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, Lord, I agree. You are holy. You are God in heaven. I acknowledge you as my Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I think about everything going on in the world, but I don't think enough about the coming of your kingdom. I, I, I don't hope and long for the coming of Jesus as much as I should. And you can see how prayer begins to build and build. And that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven or on 
my life as it is in heaven or in North Clackamas as it is in heaven. And, and you could see how prayer would begin to build from this framework. It's interesting that Jesus starts off his framework for prayer by focusing on God and who he is and aligning myself with his will, not my laundry list of needs or things I need done or want God to do, but who God is. And Lord, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, then Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. So there's nothing wrong with asking for what you need. This coming Sunday, we're going to be talking about uh, eternal investments. And, and Jesus says, hey, don't worry about what you will eat or drink, for your heavenly Father will take care of you. But you know what? It's okay if you don't have any water to say, Lord, today I need water. It's okay to ask for people who are sick. Lord, I can't help them, but you can. It's okay to ask for issues going on in this world. Lord, I can't control what Putin or Biden do, but I pray for the peace of the Ukraine. It's okay to ask. And then he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's an acknowledgement of my need to confess my sin, to be right before God. And Maybe I haven't. It's a good, good self-check. Have I forgiven those that I need to forgive? If I haven't, Lord, help me to do so. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I believe that if you are in a moment of temptation, you should run. You see that in the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. The Bible says to flee youthful lust. And I believe in setting up barriers that would keep myself from being in places of temptation, right? There's reasons why there's double checks and there's uh, systems that can be put in place and there's filtering software and all these things. I believe in all of that. But at the same time, if you're temptation, if you're in the moment of temptation, if you're tempted towards uh, rage, if you're tempted towards bitterness, if you're tempted towards selfishness, if you're tempted towards lust, if you're tempted towards immorality, if you're tempted towards bigotry, in those moments, call out to God, deliver me from this temptation. There have been times where I, am, I know that the temptation to despair and give up all hope is pressing in on all sides. Lord, bring joy into my life. Bring hope into my life. You could see where this could be a prayer that I could just pray verbatim, and it can also be a framework to prayer. Now, growing up, I was taught that the end of this prayer was, for thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm neutral on this subject. Modern scholarship says that that was added by uh, translators after the Bible was written. Others have said, no, that's not what's there. My take is this. I appreciate that Bible scholars and, and people who work in translation are so rigorous in making sure that we have correct and accurate translations of the Bible. And I've read some of the arguments for removing that last part. And so I can see what they're saying and I don't have a problem with it. I also wouldn't be bothered if I found a translation of the Bible that left it in. And they said, you know what? We don't know, so we're going to leave it in because there's nothing unbiblical in it. Everything in those lines for 
for the kingdom and the power and the glory is for God forever and ever. Amen. Like, there's nothing unbiblical in that. So I have no problem with it. My suspicion, personally, my, I, 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 am not, I am not an expert in this sort of thing, so I'm just giving you my own personal armchair quarterback suspicion, is that at some point somebody turned the Lord's Prayer into a song and then added that closing line, and that's how it got in there. That's my own personal guess, just knowing people. But whatever the thing is there, I think the bigger idea is this, is that God has given us a framework for prayer. He's given us a prayer to pray when we have no other words. It's not a long prayer, so we're not mindlessly babbling like the pagans. And yet it's a humbling prayer. It's hard for a hypocrite to pray that prayer. And it has results. If you forgive other people, verse 14, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That as we pray, the purpose of prayer is not to change God. He's going to do what he's going to do, and it's going to be good and right. The purpose of prayer is aligning my heart with what God wants to do. It's hard. It's hard to hold bitterness against somebody that I've prayed for. It's hard to hold grudges against somebody that I've prayed for. It's hard to stand in kind of like this righteous indignation when I realized that I need forgiveness too, so why should I withhold it from someone else? Prayer changes us. And I believe that if we take the Lord's Prayer either verbatim or as a general framework for how we pray, it will pay off. It will reap benefits because prayer changes us. It aligns us with God. It brings us into closer alignment with who he is and what his will is. So let's keep praying together. We'll see you Sunday morning as we continue our study in the Gospel of Matthew, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus.